sometimes you don't even necessarily realize no, no. that you're in it yeah. because fear can work in such in such subtle ways in our in our lives like anytime you anytime you catch yourself in a moment or you if you can recall a moment where and we probably do this every every day multiple times a day but anytime where you had this feeling of like oh i have to protect myself or i have to or or you find yourself getting defensive about something that's fear that's 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 a that's a form of fear that that's that's coming up because otherwise you wouldn't feel the need to protect you wouldn't feel the need to defend right so just think of how many times that that little feeling comes up right like even on a in, in an interaction with with your neighbor right they might say like so how's uh you know like how are things going it's like oh well i can't can't tell them about this can't tell them i don't want them to know this about me right even though this is the truth this is way of the artist with brandon colby cook and evan schulte identifying your blocks and demystifying your struggles so that you can claim your own path and make your life a work of art. Oh, it always feels so good to be here doing the podcast thing, having a conversation. And today's conversation, I don't know what today's conversation is going to be. We're doing one of our kind of throwbacks, our informal throwbacks to the old B&E podcast uh, where we used to do Not So Serious Sunday where we just sit down, start start talking like, uh, you know, like like good old Joe Rogan or many other uh, podcasts. So uh, sometimes we like to do that and, and, and stumble upon just some some kind of a thing typically we we i mean like most podcasts we start to figure them out by brandon and i usually just having a conversation about like just what's going on what have we been thinking about what what what's been working on us what have we been working on you know all of those kinds of things and uh so that's probably where we're gonna gonna start this one off i'm sure um you know i know that there's 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 something that I've kind of got in mind, but I feel at the moment like I don't want to quite say it just yet. So, Brandon, I'm going to turn it over to you and uh, and and what do you what do you got? What do you got at a minute and thirty seconds into this podcast? I always like that you brought this up before. What's working on us as opposed to what are we working on? Because sometimes, oftentimes, it's more like that, and you, you know, you might be thinking, Hey, I'm, I'm doing this. This is what I'm up to. This is what I'm doing. But then, you know, there's some, there's something at play and yeah, this has been, uh, this has been, a, a, I'd say like a part of my journey in the last several years really has been a lot about something has been working on me in the background and it's, it's an excavation. It's like an uncovering of self and truth and, the real me, the real Brandon, like, which, you know, I think it's kind of a strange thing in some ways is like, you you are getting to know yourself through, through life, you know? And I think that there's this, 
element to doing life, which is like, who do you want to be? Make a decision, be that person, do that thing and go for it. And I think that's actually a really important stage of self-discovery. But I do think that there comes a point when if you're really searching for truth, if, if, if you're, if you're going deep in life, eventually that person that you, I don't know, you set out to be becomes unveiled as like this kind of, why did I choose to be that person? What was I really going for in doing that? Like, who's Mm. the guy that made that choice? I'm more interested in meeting him than the guy that I kind of became out of just sheer will and, uh, you know, attention and whatever. And so I feel like at this part in my life, that's been a big part of what it is. Who's the guy that made those choices? Who's the guy behind the veil putting, putting, putting on stage this person that I've played? And mm. honestly, I, I, you know, I've come to a point now where I don't think you can do it any other way. I think you have to, you have to kind of, you know, pick a role and play the role and try the role out. And maybe you try several roles out and then, you know, eventually you just start to see, Oh, that's, that's the act. That's the thing I'm, that's the thing I do. <laughs> right. But who's doing it, you know, and, and this has been the, so this has been, I, I don't know if that, if that leads into this conversation or not, but I think this is kind of like the wizard of Oz thing for me. It's like, who's really <laughs> behind the, the whole thing? Right. Like what, what's really going on here? And yeah. I don't have the answer. I'm just saying that's, that's what's working on me a lot recently. Yeah, no, I, I and you know, that's, um, it's interesting because I didn't plan on, on those words, um, coming out at the top of, of this thing, but, uh, you know, that's, that's always the creative nature, right? Something unexpected and it, and it takes you into creative territory. Um, but yeah, what you're saying that, that kind of reflection, um, that happens in, in your life. And, you know, I don't think it's, it's a good thing to, to dwell and to get hung up in the past, but reflection I think is, is, a different thing. There's a very intentional quality to it, which is what sounds kind of like what's what you're talking about and, and, and what you're experiencing and what's working on you is there's this necessary reflection of taking, taking a look at the things that you've done, the things that you've pursued. Um, and yeah, like digging, like, like looking behind the curtain. It's just like, who, who is the one that was doing that? And for me, what I think of is like, well, what, what, yeah, like what is the, the thing that kind of connects all of those things together? You know, because, because like, you know, many artists, you, you find that, you know, like there's all of these different sort of songs that they create and and write in over over the span of a career and very often when you look at a musician's entire catalog especially if they've got like a large one like you got to look i think at like a singer songwriter in particular but you can very often see particular themes begin to emerge from that that person um that are always kind of there you get a sense of of who this person not not just through one individual song but through this body 
of of songs that that are there um that is like this continuous thread that runs in it and i think that in many ways the things that we put ourselves to in in our lives the things that we work towards whether that's um you know through our acts of sheer will or through just you know accidents or being in the right place or the wrong place at the right or wrong time you know like it's there are these things that i think that i think begin to emerge that can sometimes show a person that's that's there the beating heart of a person that you are that maybe was a little bit invisible to you before hmm. and it's only through that kind of reflection and seeing these places where you sort of tended to go where you where you've tended to wander uh and and it can be so revealing and very often the thing that it reveals is is that a lot of your ideas about what you're doing were completely you know or or these ideas of who you are are just completely you know they're complete nonsense, right? And I think that that's a kind of a ref reflection. It's a reflective exercise that actually reveals to a large degree the the conditioning that we've, um, that we all experience, right? Like we're, we're, every single human being is conditioned on their, you know, based on so many factors of their, of their culture, their upbringing, their, their society, their, their governments, their media, their, you know, it's all, you know, and, and sometimes I think that stuff gives us places of interest, places where we can look at. But I think that sometimes those interests that we go at, we don't always necessarily know why it's a why we're doing that thing exactly. We might have like we might be doing it for certain reasons that we think that we're doing it for, but ultimately discover that that there was a different driving force underneath that whole thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, what if that driving force is, is really like fear or something, you know? And I mm -hmm. think that's a worthwhile question to ask because if you're driving towards something because you're scared or because you're hiding from something, or maybe there's some pain or something you don't want to experience, it, I think the inevitable outcome is if you become healed, if say pain is driving you or the, the aversion to a pain is driving you and you become healed and then you're, or maybe you're not scared of that pain anymore, those motivations, they're going to disappear. They're going to be gone because, you know, and, and I think away from motivation, which is like avoidance of pain and avoidance of discomfort or consequences is away from motivation in general. Uh, it's probably a pretty accurate way to describe it. I think it's very, very powerful. I think it's, it's often even more powerful than toward motivation in its own right, because it's so deeply, like deeply rooted in survival. And, you know, when you corner an animal, you can really find out what it's, you know, what it's willing to do to survive. Right. And, and I think that we're all a little bit, or not all of us maybe, but I think a lot of us, we, we get super motivated because we're kind of cornered into, into it in a way, you know, 
It's like, if you don't, if you don't become somebody, if you don't do something, you'll be nothing. You'll be a failure. You know, you're like, like there's so much consequence, right? Like, like everything you, you are, is like, you wasted your life. You got one life, do this or else, or blah, blah, blah. And I think that's a lot of fear driving people to be like, okay, I gotta, you know, I gotta go for it. I gotta do it. I gotta, whatever. And, um, and, and then all sorts of other things too, like, um, you know, the pain that, uh, you know, uh, like maybe you think like, if you never do anything, you'll never be loved or you'll never, no one will ever care about you or stuff like that. These, these types of things were somewhat true for me. Um, and then you just, at a certain point you go, you know what, like I am loved, I am okay. And I don't need to be anybody to, to get these things. And, um, I'm, I'm happy to be alive, you know, and it's actually pretty amazing to be alive and and I don't have to be something for someone else to impress them or get their approval or whatever. And so, you know, a lot of those things were things that like I was working through in my younger years and now I've kind of healed them. And so then it's like, well, if you're not cornered anymore and you're not scared of those things anymore and the pain is not so like open to just anything could just agitate it, you know, and you've, you've, you've figured out a way to kind of not let that run your life anymore. It's, it's, it's great because there's a wonderful side of that. You're not in pain anymore. And you're not in this like scared animal cornered place, which you never even knew you were in in the first place. At least I didn't. And then now you're like, okay, well now you could do anything. You're okay. You're safe. You're good. Right. <laughs> what do you want to do? And, and, and you don't feel that like for me, I don't feel the same drive I felt when I was in that kind of cornered animal space. You know, I'm just using that as a reference point because it's the best way I know how to do it. It's just like, like I was going for big things and I didn't realize that that was me trying to survive. That wasn't me trying to thrive. And anybody who looked at me probably thought, oh, I was thriving. But that was, that was what it took in my world for me to believe that's what it takes to survive. And if you're going to be alone and you're, and you're not going to be loved and you're just going to be in pain and it's all just depression otherwise, or something like that, I mean, you, you might just do just about anything to get out of that. And then, you know, I think what happened for me is, you know, I, you know, it's just, I faced my deepest fears and my, my biggest demons and I faced it and I overcame it. And then when I walked out of that, it was like, well, now what do you want to do? And it's like, I don't even know how to live without being in fear. And you know, it's something very interesting, Evan. I I was so out of touch with fear. And I even said this on the podcast before. It's like, I never really get scared. It never really comes up for me. And I've come to realize it's like, I was probably more scared than anybody. But also maybe very courageous as well. Because... I was so unwilling to give in to fear that it made me do some pretty interesting things. And so like, this is something I'm kind of coming to grips with. It's like, okay, well, you're not scared anymore. You don't have to have that level of courage to go about your life. Um, but then if you were just doing it because you were scared of a bad outcome and now you're not scared of that bad outcome, now it's just what positive outcome do you want? That's a weird thing because if I've driven most of my life just avoiding a bad outcome, a positive outcome is almost a strange thing. It's like, well, that was never really an option. It was always just 
you know, the good, the good option was to negate the bad one. And now it's like, no, it's just a good option for the sake of a good option. You know, it'll be okay either way. Do it. Don't do it. Do this. Don't do that. Do this instead, whatever. It'll all be okay. You'll all be, it'll be fine. You're not, mm-hmm. you know, you're not under threat like you used to be, or used to think you were at least. And so this is like a, you know, this is the thing what's working on you. You know, I, I, I just go back <laughs> to that. It's like, yeah, like, I guess that's, what's been working on me. And I, I don't even know, like, I don't even know where we are in the waters of this conversation at this point. But the interesting thing to me is like the artist journey, I think is one that eventually starts to go deep. If you hang in it long enough, it just starts to go deep at some point. And when it goes deep, <laughs> it's yeah. really weird. Cause you're like, cause most things in the beginning, and we've talked about this, they're somewhat superficial in the beginning. Right. But then you get, you get older and wiser and you meet more people and you have more interactions and you're, you're more invested and you've learned more and you just, and all of a sudden the only answer is to go deep and not wide anymore. And so then it's just like, well, where am I? I've always just gone wider. Every time I ran into a problem, I just go around it. Now I got to go deep. Now I got to dig into myself to try and figure out this stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't even know. Like, it's like I'm starting over again. So, yeah. Yeah. But there's, uh, as we discussed in a recent podcast, it's, there's lots of treasure to be found there. Right. I mean, I think that where I see sort of this conversation at the moment, you know, this like what's working on you. And I mean, you bring in, I mean, you bring, you bring in the subject of fear, which I think, yeah, like for, for most of us, you start going in a little bit deeper. You're probably going to encounter some fear. Um, and maybe it's fear that actually makes you go, that makes you go deeper. And, you know, one of the things with with fear is that if you live with it long enough, I think it makes you it makes you dangerous for good or for ill, hmm. um, depending on what you do with that fear. And and the reason I say this is because I think if you live with a certain particular fear for long enough. Uh, eventually you stop being afraid of it. Right? Like eventually. Yeah. Um, either because you're just, you know, so burnt out or exhausted or you're fed up or you're whatever. And, you know, you can use that in a destructive way or in a creative way, much like, much like many sort of empowering things that we can stumble upon. And that's, I think, a way in which that can happen. I mean, you see you know, throughout, this is a, this is a fairly, you know, dramatic example of this, but you see throughout, you know, human history with oppressive, you know, oppressive leaders, oppressive governments or something, you know, it's like they, many of them, you know, they, they run through, they run on fear, right? You make people afraid and they have a lot of power to make people afraid, but eventually people stop being afraid you know, like where it's just like not even, not even death is something that's because the, because there's the realization that the alternative is worse. Mm -hmm. The alternative is far worse, which is to continue living with this thing. And you, you find a power there. And that's what I mean by like, it makes you dangerous, Mm -hmm. right? It makes you a dangerous person. Um, 
and maybe that's not entirely the right word for it, but I mean it in like, a, I, I'm trying to use it in a way that, um, in a way that uh, promotes sort of a wholeness and, and, and selfhood. Like you become, you can become dangerous to your ego. You can become dangerous to this small person that you, you thought that you were. Um, and I think that sometimes the ego has some pushback on that, you know, <laughs> as well. Um, and it can bring up even bigger fears and bigger fears and bigger fears. And that whole process can, can feel like it's endless, you know, where it's just like, Oh God, I thought we just got through it. And you, you kind of, again, and it just draws you deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into it. Right. Um, I don't necessarily know where I'm going with that, but you know, Fear is something that struck out, stuck out to me in, in what you were saying as being like, oh yeah, like that's like, I don't know if it's something that we talk about. We definitely talk about it on this podcast, but I don't feel like it's something that we talk about really directly in, um, very often in our, in our podcast. And it's such a huge part of our lives. Mm -hmm. You know, fear is, is, um, such a huge thing that most of us, if not all of us contend with on a day by day basis by an hour by hour, minute by minute, second by second basis for, for so many of us. So, um, yeah, I don't know if, if, if maybe there's something that in there that, uh, you have to add, but. Well, you know, I've said on the podcast before, and it's something I, I live by, which is don't make a decision out of fear, which I do believe is true. But if you don't even know you're scared, how do you not make a decision out of fear? Right. Like, and I think for me, like something I'm kind of coming to grips with, it takes a little bit of humility, I suppose, is like, okay, I didn't, I've been pretty good about not consciously making decisions out of fear, but unconsciously I might have been. And so in this next stage of my life, it's been like, okay, well, as I dig in deeper to the unconscious fear and I identify it and root it out, I'm making yet even better decisions because I'm I'm not running from the same fear that maybe I was but unconscious to before. And something I heard um, this week, Evan, was uh, this, this um, take on trauma. And um, the person was saying that trauma is not what happens to you. It's what happens inside of you from what happens to you. It's mm. it's your perception of what happens. It's your take on what happens, your eternal experience of what happens. And um, they, they said a couple other things about trauma, but I think that we have these, we have these moments in life and they're, you know, we don't even look at them. Right. But they, they are traumatizing. I mean, um, you find out that the world is different than you thought it was, and it could be a massive betrayal or it could just be, you know, Hey, like, like what Santa Claus isn't real, you know, like that's a little bit traumatic, traumatic a little bit. Right. Because, you know, and, and I know this sounds like I'm being like super, super sensitive to it. And I, and, and I think that there's a point where, you can become so sensitive to stuff that it's not serving you anymore. So I'll keep that in mind. But I do think that you have these little, these, these traumas and they, they make a big impact on you internally. 
And so you start to go, okay, well, the world is, is this, the world is that. And you make these internal decisions about, you know, what it is. And um, another thing that this person was talking about was they were saying that when you're experiencing or re-experiencing your trauma, it's not happening in the past. It's happening right now mm -hmm. as though it was happening when it happened. And so these things are, I think, an interesting thing to understand because when you're working from like deep-rooted fear, you're basically working from, from trauma. And so if you recognize that in this moment that you're experiencing this thing, you get a chance to investigate the trauma that maybe you as a child weren't able to investigate. But mm. now as an adult, if you're experiencing it right now and you're catching yourself in it and you're reacting, you're getting triggered or whatever's going on, you could go, okay, look what's going on inside of me, right? Look, look what's happening here. And, and, and you could actually deal with it as, as though it is happening right now, because I think un, unfortunately, unfortunately in its own way, we are creatures of habit and creatures of pattern. And we tend to do the same things over and over and over again. We tend to do what seemed safe or what seemed to work or what seemed what other people did. We model, we just keep doing it over and over on, on almost like a broken record repeat. And if, we got somehow traumatized in a way that's not serving us today, the chances of us repeating the trauma pattern is much higher than repeating a healthy pattern because all we learned was the trauma pattern. And so part of like the, you know, this, the, this finding yourself journey, I think is also about a healing journey and it's about going, and this is something you, you mentioned before, Evan, I think it stands out for me right now is like, is this what I would do if I could choose what I do? Is this what mm. I would choose to do? And, and that's a really interesting question because if you can catch yourself in the moment of doing something and go like, wait a minute, is this what I would choose to do? Like really? And then that's mm. hard. That's not, a, that's not an easy thing to do. But if you could do that, you could break a pattern that you've been running for a long time in your life, you know? Um, and, and a pattern that is that is not serving you in some way, because every time you you come into a moment, you know, you think, oh, man, like someone's they're not happy with me. I'm going to be under attack. Right. That's what you think. That's your trauma. Mm -hmm. So if you can go in the moment and go like, wait a minute. Do would I choose to perceive myself under attack if I had a choice? And. And I've, I've, that's been something that I've worked on a lot. Whereas like when I go into an argument or what perceives to be an argument to me, even that word can be triggering in a way, right? Mm -hmm. Sounds so sensitive right now, but it, it, it is, it's like, I perceive a fight. We're going to fight. It's going to be a battle. We're going to yell at each other. That's what's going to happen. Cause there was some mm -hmm. trauma as a kid. And it's like, no, you know what? This could be calm and it could be loving. It could be a minor disagreement and I could hear the person and they could hear me and it might not have to be like that. And then if you can stop yourself and go, wait a minute, this doesn't have to play out the way I think it has to play out. It, it, it gives you new options and a new way of navigating this thing. Right. So I think there's something about this whole thing we're talking about, which is like, yeah, it's scary though. Like it's really scary to break a pattern because what if you're wrong? What if it is a fight? And then you just disarmed yourself or you put your guard down and you weren't ready and you took a hit. You know what I mean? Like that's the, that, like the fear is there, right? 
But if you can identify that fear is running it, maybe you can stop yourself from using the fear as your response. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not saying just be vulnerably open with every person you ever talk to, because maybe that's not healthy either, but maybe it doesn't have to be a fight either. Like maybe it can, maybe there's some balance, maybe there's some middle ground there. Right. And this, this is just one instance of a billion zillion, probably different scenarios that could occur. Right. So, you know, and it's, it's just break, like catch the pattern, identify it, try to make a new conscious action. And then maybe through that, you have different options than you ever had before. And wouldn't that be interesting? Because maybe the options that you keep thinking you have, they keep leading you down a bad road over and over and over again, or they keep leading you down a road where, you know, for me, for example, I'm just being super vulnerable here. But anytime someone came into my life who like truly like loved me when I was younger, I kind of just pushed them away. And that was, it's a weird thing. It's like a, it's like a defense mechanism to vulnerability, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's like, it's something I've become aware of. And I'm like, well, that's silly. I don't want to do that. But when I was unconscious of it, it was something I do. And I know I'm not the only one that does that. I know this is actually quite a common thing that people do. Mm -hmm. And it's a weird thing. We actually push away the thing that we truly want in the world because the fear of pain of it is so much greater than the potential gain of it in our trauma-based pattern. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the, the potential for hurt can be, you know, can, can feel just that much, much greater. Like I, I was actually just thinking about this the other day about, I don't even remember who I was having this conversation with, but, um, it was a conversation I was having with an actor. I know that much. And, uh, you know, and, and we we're talking about like, you know, when you have a, a bad day on set, right? Like, and, and, and they said something like, well, you know, but it's better than, you know, a bad day on set is better than, you know, like, a than a bad day, you know, working, working your, your job or something like that. And, it's interesting because I was like, well, yes and no, <laughs> you know, you can make a you can make a case for either of those things because it's like for an actor, a bad day on set can feel fucking devastating. Whereas a bad day at the job is like in some ways can be easier to just shrug off. You know, mm-hmm. you're just like, oh, that was a that was a shitty one, but whatever, it's done. You know, like you're not you're not hung up on it. But when you care, when what you're doing has meaning to you. Um, yeah, like it can feel a bad day on set and I've had, I've had bad days on set and it's just like, ugh, like, it's just, it's tough. Like you, you take it with you. Like it's like, it's like, it's just wrapped itself around you in a cloak and it can be hard to shake it off. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, certainly that those, those meanings that we, that we have around, what we're doing and yeah, the things that a lot of those, I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but like there, there's those patterns of meaning, I guess is, is, 
what I'm I'm trying to comment on here, those patterns of of meaning that we that we live with. Um, can I can, add something while you're yeah, on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it kind of makes me think of this whole idea that, like, I do agree. I think meaning is such an important element of this. And when it's more meaningful, the potential pain and trauma response that can come in is going to be higher. So I'm I'm thinking that maybe it's easier when it's a more, like, easier scenario where it's not so meaningful to confront some of these patterns. And there is an analogy that I've heard many times said before, but it's like, if you were a soldier going to battle, you wouldn't want the first time you used your sword or your rifle or any of this gear that you have to be when you're in the trenches or whatever the metaphor is of being at the war and bombs are going off around you or something, right? Like that's not when you want to have the first use. I think I'll pull this out and try it out, see what happens, see if it works. You want to have test fired. You want to have you know, swung, practiced, you know, had all this, um, you know, easier, lower consequence uh, scenarios with this stuff so that when you're in the, you know, life or death situation, that's how it feels. I think when we're really, truly, deeply triggered, it feels like life or death, that in those moments, you can have the faith in yourself that, okay, I can try this out. I practiced with it a little bit. And now, you know, now it's a very meaningful moment. I'm not going to, I'm not going to melt down, you know, with whatever's going on. But I I do think meaning is is a massive, massive amplifier to what we're talking about. I think fear and meaning, (laughs) (laughs) I think sometimes they hold hands really tightly and they are not willing to let go, you know, and and, um, they can work in tandem brutally against you, um, not and for you, but, you know, they're they're the more meaning the more fear combined whoa like yeah well yeah i mean i i think of like just in terms of how how fear operates so much right and and fear operates so much in these uh in these sorts of stories that we 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 tell ourselves and you know like we have um you know with our like artist laws at one point we had had them as two separate things but then we had it dawned on us at a certain point that actually like the the law of story and the law of meaning are actually like so like they're they're pretty much the same thing mm-hmm. um and you know fear very much that's i would say that that's like the primary that's the primary weapon of fear is is story and meaning right it's like well if this happens it means this about me or if this doesn't whatever then it means this and for the most part, like we, we just, we're so quick to just try and push it away, you know, shove it away, numb it that we don't, we don't analyze the thing or we've just gotten so used to living with this, with a certain level of it that, that we just don't scrutinize the story. And one of the things that I've found, not that I've mastered this by any stretch of the imagination, but when I have the wherewithal to take a take a glance at the fear that's coming up, you know, whenever I'm experiencing it, um, it usually just it like it starts to crumble, like very very quickly because fear is f- this the stories that fear has are 
usually not the most well written. Hmm. You know, like they they look very they they look very scary on the surface, but then when you go into it, it's just like oh well, it's just you know you shine the light on it, and it's just like oh there's there's actually nothing there. There's no substance to it really. Um, the fear is is just kind of an image. You know, it's just uh, it it's just this one image that's being held up in front of you, and you pull by, you pull back the curtain, right? Yeah. <laughs> as, well, as... and you fill out you fill out a whole imagination around the image. You build a life around the image. I actually wrote a paper in university. Um, I was in psychology and I was studying film, and uh, I decided to write a paper on horror movies, which at the time I knew very little about. So I did a deep dive of research and. The number one thing I found as I was working on this paper was that fear is in the unknown. And um, I read all these books breaking it down, pe- you know, people who had kind of deciphered, like, why is this scary? What, a- what about fear? How does it work? And a- an argument that came up very commonly, particularly with film, was that these older films that didn't have the budget, they could only show the monster very little. And so what would happen was they wanted to show it more, but it's actually worked in their favor that they couldn't because people would see this thing and they would imagine this whole thing around it. And that was more powerful than anything they could film. The the audience's imagination was far more frightening to them than anything they could give them. And so it, it, uh, you know, I ultimately came to the conclusion that fear lives in this imagination world. It, you know, as much as you want to show the monster you created in this film and you want to, you want to give the reasons why the monster does what it does. You shouldn't don't give the reasons. Don't fill it in. Don't tell them the story, Mm -hmm. restrict, restrict, restrict yourself until maybe the very last moments you can, you can just for the, the sake of satisfaction, give them completion, but but withhold that till the absolute end. And if you reveal it early, you lose it all. And so it's like this whole idea that I think what you're, what you're, what you're alluding to is, is fear lives in this imaginational kind of place, this, this, this place we've created and it's very foggy and gray and nothing is pinned down. We know nothing in there and we don't, we, you could ask us like, well, why are you even scared of that? I don't even know. I don't even know. And then you're like, well, like, you know, tell me your worst fear. What, what's the worst thing that can happen? You don't even know what the worst thing is could happen because you haven't even figured that out. It's just something bad could happen, really. That's all it really is. Mm-hmm. Because I've done this exercise as an entrepreneur. They said, oh, you know, okay, well, let's talk about your fear. You know, what's the worst thing that could happen? It's like, well, I could lose all my money and become homeless. Okay, then what? Well, what would you do? How would you like, let's say that happened. What would you do? How, how would you be okay? Could you figure it out? You know, it's like, okay, well, I guess I would call this person and crash on their couch for a week. And then I'd, you know, whatever. And like, I'm like, okay. So, you know, and it's like, well, that, okay, but that would still suck because it'd be embarrassing. Okay. So what you're embarrassed now, what, you know, does this yeah. make your story better when you succeed or, you know, whatever, or even if you don't succeed, is this something you could wear as a badge of honor? Hey, I tried something. I really tried. And this is, you know, and this is how far yeah. I went with it, you know, like, and then all of a sudden the fear starts to go away, but most of this stuff lives in this very foggy gray area that is totally unexplored. 
Hey everybody, this is Evan, and this episode is brought to you by my book. Yes, I recently released a book called The Actor's Awakening, Connecting Spirituality to Craft. Expand yourself as an actor and your craft through a spiritual perspective. Take a journey that will explore universal philosophies and insights to help you understand human nature in a profound way, and develop practices to take your work to another level. Again, that's The Actor's Awakening, Connecting Spirituality to Craft, available on Kindle and paperback on Amazon. And as always, if you like the show, please subscribe. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because what you're saying is like, yeah, it's like this reminder that it's like, because sometimes I think the, the fear is that we're going to be stuck. You know, we're going to stay stuck. And in a weird way, it's actually the fear that makes us stuck. When you actually feel face fears when you actually come up to fears and and even if some of the things come to pass in in like the examples that you were giving there you realize that it's like but it doesn't it's not going to stay like that like we are like we are change in motion you know like we ourselves are forces of change you're not just gonna stay in these states right but i think that that's like that's kind of the anxiety that almost is is even is even worse um, than the thing itself, you know. Living living with just these unexamined um, fears, I mm-hmm. think is is, and I, I I can definitely, you know, kind of give testimony to that for <laughs> in in my own life for sure. Like you know, just as we're talking about this, I'm just like, oh yeah, like holy shit, you know. But like the, you know, how do we how do we how do we pause and actually recognize fear when it's happening to us and how do we actually find ways to move through it to to actually you know like that's i i don't think that's like i don't think it's actually that complicated but it can feel so difficult Mm-hmm. at the same time. And so that that's kind of like the the question that I have to a certain degree cuz when you're in fear or like you you had mentioned before, sometimes you don't even necessarily realize you that, that you're in it yeah. because fear can work in such in such subtle ways in our in our lives like anytime you anytime you catch yourself in a moment or you if you can recall a moment where and we probably do this every every day multiple times a day but anytime where you had this feeling of like oh i have to protect myself or i have to or or you find yourself getting defensive about something that's fear that's 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 a that's a form of fear that that's that's coming up because otherwise you wouldn't feel the need to protect you wouldn't feel the need to defend right so just think of how many times that that little feeling comes up, right? Like even on a in, in an interaction with with your neighbor, right? They might say like, "So how's uh you know like how are things going?" It's like, "Oh well, I can't can't tell them about this. Can't tell them. I don't want them to know this about me, right? Even though this is the truth." And you know, look as you're saying, like I'm not saying you've got to, you know, you've got to spill your your all of your shit to every, every Mm. Joe blow that you, you come in contact with. But I think that, that 
we're so often so we we like again we we run away from it because it's like you walk away from that interaction with with the neighbor and maybe say like oh yeah things are great you know da 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 everything's fine even though in that moment you're just like oh actually like I'm I'm really struggling with a lot of these different things but this is what I'm gonna say to you and then I'm gonna walk away from this conversation and not <laughs> and I'm not gonna actually think about the shit that's actually going on for me. I think you, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think it's a matter of you're not going to think about the truth of that question afterwards. You're going to just believe your own. I'm yeah. fine. Yeah. B- bullshit. You ran away from it in the moment and you're going to run away from it yeah. afterwards too. Well, right? and I, I might argue as well though. And I do think you're, you're, there's some truth in that you ran away from the moment. I think in some cases that's true. I think in some cases it's not that you ran away from it. You're actually being strong and you're being polite and you're being a good person, a good human, because I do think that we have relationships with people that are, they're not deep yet. And that's something you have to develop and you have to earn. And and it takes courage to earn a deep relationship with somebody. It takes a, a certain amount of desire and, and, and want to do so. And sometimes it happens without you wanting it, but you know, that's another thing thing but <laughs> well before uh, so hang on if, yeah, if i might for a second okay like because I, I i'm just i'm having some questions about some of the things that i've said and 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 something that you mentioned because it's like in this hypothetical scenario of the the chat with the neighbor who you know maybe you're not close friends with but you know you 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 chat when you see each other it's friendly it's a friendly relationship and to me, it's like, I, I think that where I, I'm questioning some of this is, it's like, well, why can't you just tell somebody who asked you that, like, oh, you know, I'm struggling a little bit right now. It's like, oh, yeah, what's going on? I don't really feel like talking about that, but that's just where I'm at. Like, what's wrong with that? You know, you don't need to well, tell all the circumstances yeah, of what's going on. You don't need sure. to, to, to divulge all of the personal information, but you can still, like... This is my thing. It's like, why is that level of vulnerability and honesty something that we still run away from? What's wrong with that? You know, like what, what did we really, what are we really, um, is that really so much that like we have to be dishonest? Cause I, I'm just questioning the whole, you know, there's a difference between saying to, to, you know, when you're actually struggling and telling somebody, it's like, oh, I'm struggling don't really want to get into it, but that's where I'm at, right? There is nothing dishonest in that, but there is something dishonest in you're struggling and they say, how are you doing? And you're just like, oh, I'm doing good, you know, doing mm. good, everyone's doing good. Like that's, there is a dishonesty there. And I think that there's a price that we pay for those little dishonesties. And well, so there, like just, I agree with that. I agree. Yeah. I, and I like mean, just, I hear, I hear your point. I do. Yeah. 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 And I just thought one thing, and I've said this on, on some episodes before, but like, you know, I remember, uh, I think it was in 2019, I went and did like a 10 day silent meditation retreat and I thought, oh, like, oh yeah, the, like the silence is, 
you know, I had all these ideas as to like, you know, the function of, of what that silence is for. One of the things I never realized it was at the, the silence is for is actually for that very purpose of so that you can't be dishonest with other people. Mm. It keeps it like just because of those little subtle ways in which we we can be dishonest with other people and it's a dishonesty to ourselves as well. That's just like that's that was one of the reasons that really shocked me about why that's a practice in there. I mean, there's a few reasons for it, but that was one that I was like, I'd never contemplated. Um, so just, I'll, I'll turn it back over to you, but I just felt like I just needed to like interject a little something there. Hmm. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I hear that. I think, you know, I mean, I don't know. It's to each their own, I suppose. Like, you know, make your own, make your own way with it. I think that, there is a certain amount of of being aware of why somebody's asking you the question and not expecting them to be ready to hear your truth because i don't think that that always people are asking you to really know and i think that's a social kind of norm and and i think if someone says hey how you doing it's more like a hello, can you respond to me, please? And we can just say that we talked, you know, whatever. It's polite. It's not really much more than that. And I think yeah. that having a, a certain amount of awareness about that is important as a social creature, just to navigate the world. And I think of it too as like, and maybe this is a bit of me being a somewhat of an accommodator or at least a, having a past of that, um, is I don't want to burden people with my problems. And I yeah. do think that there's something really admirable and stoic about that. I think that's really important. It's like, yeah, yeah we all got problems, man. We all got struggles. Mm. Listen, I know you got struggles. I got struggles. But how are you doing with your struggles in general? You know what? I'm okay. I got it under control. I'm good. You know yeah. what I mean? I'm good. I don't need your help right now. I, I'm, I'm not in a chaotic moment. But I think that's a genuine way to respond. If you really like look at it from that perspective, it's like, I'm I'm good. I got it under control. But if you feel that there's an opportunity to crack through a very superficial shell and say, you know what? I'm good. I, I got everything under control. But to be honest with you, I'm going through a little bit of a struggle and I, you know, it's, there's nothing to do about it. It's just, that's what's really going on. And mm -hmm. I feel like saying that to you is, is just more where I'm at. And I just wanted to be real transparent today. And yeah. that person could be like, okay, yeah, cool, man. Well, if you need some help or whatever, it's like, yeah, you know, I'm good. I'm good. But like, you know, thanks for asking. And genuinely, thanks for asking. You know what I mean? Like that would be a much more authentic, break some walls down communication. I, I'm hesitant to tell people to just like, yeah, just break down the walls and open up with each other. I don't mm -hmm. actually think that's good. I think you'll come off as weird and you'll become a burden <laughs> and you'll become actually more disconnected from that person if you're not careful. I think that you need to look at certain things with people of earned vulnerability and earned sharing. It's something where you you want to be careful in the sense that you're being respectful of not just the other person, but of yourself to not just like open the floodgates and let them know everything that's going on. I had a guy show up to me. So I was working, I'll just explain this story, Evan. Mm -hmm. I was working 
this is a few years ago. I, I took this temporary job where I was doing this labor job and it was to make some extra bucks and whatever. And they would get these temporary workers, these temps, they'd call them. And these temps would show up to help the main crew. And so this one, one of the first weeks I was there, I go out to grab my lunch by my car. And this guy comes out to me and he's like, Hey, how's it going? Whatever. I'm like, is it good? Whatever we're talking. He's like, my parents killed themselves and blah, blah, blah. He starts going off. And I was just like, I don't even know this guy. And this is heavy. You know what I mean? And I'm just thinking, this is real weird. Like I'm, uh, and I'm pretty good socially. I think for the most part, I've developed a lot of skills around being respectful and being mindful and being considerate, but this is uncomfortable because I got somebody who I just met now telling me about how their parents killed themselves. And I feel trapped in a conversation to talk to them about some kind of deep trauma issues that they have. I'm Mm. not a therapist. I, I don't know this person's state of mental health. I don't really know. I'm all of a sudden I'm in a situation which started very casual and got a little too deep. Well, I'd say a lot too deep, too quick, (laughs) you know, now had I talked to this person over several days and then they eventually said, you know, yeah, you know, I'm, this thing happened in my life. Maybe it would be a little bit more. Okay. All right. We built a bit of a relationship. We built some rapport. We've, you know, but like, that's a very delicate situation. So if you throw that on somebody, you got to be careful about who you throw it on. Cause like, you know, some people, I mean, and this is not, I, I'm, I'm not trying to be like, I mean, I'm politically incorrect in some of the ways I say things. So just forgive me for that. But some people are like, like mentally ill, like, like kind of a little bit crazy. You know what I mean? Like they're not in a good place. And so for a stranger who doesn't know how to deal with that mental illness or that very like kind of volatile state they might be in, they might be suicidal. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you don't know who you're talking to. You don't know what's going on for that person. And so if you are that person who's in this really desperate place, I'm not trying to knock you by any means. I'm just saying like, you're going to have to be careful about opening up to somebody about some of these things that are going on with you because you'll find that you'll just get rejected by them and then it'll just feel like another hurt, right? Whereas, so I'm really talking to those people who like, they got something to share and they want to open up to people, but they don't have a friend. Like I have you, Evan, or I have other people. I can, I can share with people. I can be like, man, I'm really struggling. Like, Hey, I can give you a call. Some people don't have a friend in the world. They can call. They don't have a family member. They can call. They don't have anybody. They don't even have a therapist or anything, nothing. And so I'm just, you know, and I went through a deep, dark depression. I went through that. I got out of it, but I just, you know, I'm just kind of looking at it in terms of break down those walls, but just understand that you can do it incrementally and still be honest and still be truthful. And, you know, and, um, the, the, the truth is I would also say to anybody who's really struggling, just know that you're not alone. I mean, everybody is struggling. You have no idea everybody has struggles. Everybody has challenges. They're, they're all going on. You're not alone. And yours might be more challenging or deeper for you at this moment than most people's, but we actually have a lot of empathy for each other, but we, we just need it to be done a little bit smoothly. It can't just be thrown on us. It's, it's too much for Mm -hmm. most people to take in all at once. Right. And if you're really desperate, and you're like, man, I just need help. Just tell somebody, hey, I just need, I need help. 
I like, I know I don't know you, but like, look, this is where I'm at. And I, I don't know who to talk to, like, whatever, like, maybe that's what you need to do. Fine. But like, I'm just kind of, I'm being a, I suppose, devil's advocate in this whole concept of just saying like, find balance. Cause really like, I know what it's like to feel so friggin' alone. You don't even know what to do. You don't want to get out of bed. You don't even want to leave your house. I know what that feels like. And I also know what it's like to be, to feel like everything in my life is just working out. And it's just a perfect dream. I've, I've lived on both sides of those spectrum. And I think that there is a, there, there is a way to connect with people on a very deep level, but just a gradual, like, like I think honesty and truth, but with a, with a consideration, let's put it that way with a consideration of who you're opening up to, not because not, not for any other reason, other than it gives you a much better chance to truly connect with that person and have them open up to you. One, mm-hmm. one last thing, let me just say this, Evan, sorry, I know I'm going on a bit, but one good way to know if somebody's connecting with you is if you share with them a little bit of truth about you, and then they share a little bit of reciprocation and truth that's going on for them, you have broken down massive walls between the two of you. But if they're not opening up to you, then just know that their walls might be up. And even though you want to take yours down, theirs might not be ready to come down. And so, you you know, and it's just being responsive to that. It's like Meisner, right? It's like paying attention, like, like pay attention to what's going on for them. And, you know, and, and okay, you're not open to getting deeper. You're not open to talking. Okay, no problem. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that like, absolutely. In terms of the context of like defenses and stuff, like, I, I think that there is always a way in which we can navigate these situations that are honest that don't necessarily require require the the use of you know very personal sensitive information that you know not only just for you but like as you said like maybe the other person is just there they they just can't they're just not ready for that they're just not ready to hear that you know so but i think that Anytime we have an opportunity to just exercise a little bit more honesty to take down the defenses just a little bit more um, is a good thing to do, you know, and, and it, again, it doesn't mean you have to, you have to become just everybody's open book, um, but I think that that we're too often putting up these these little defenses and protecting ourselves kind of needlessly mm. right and and even like for myself part of this like I I think about just over the last number of months you know like since I've since I've had a since I've had a child you know and this first you know, and I've heard from people before, they're like, oh, that, like, the first year is hard. Like, the first year is hard. And you hear that, but, and you don't really know what that means until you start to know what it means. And, and it's been an interesting process because I found that it's actually, it's like, yeah, it's, it's become, it's become more difficult actually for me to, to lie, to be dishonest about, um, 
you know, sort of where my own sort of mental state is at and, uh, and, and a bit of a realization as to how much I actually was being somewhat dishonest about that. But it's at a point where it's like, it's like, so how are things going? It's just like, well, keeping my head above water, mm. you know, I've got lots of ups and downs right now. Yeah. And, and most people are just, and, and for the most part, like it, it's never required me to actually divulge highly personal details Mm-hmm. Right. But it's always, I found, um, it's been, you know, one of these weird little things in, in the, the tough moments where it's, it's being able to just share that with, with somebody, whether I know them well or not, um, is, is extremely, um, it's a relief, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a relief to not have to pretend to a to a degree to not put up that that act and that and that show um so i mean i think in terms of in many ways like back at the original part of this conversation you know things that work on us right and and that's something that i feel like has definitely been working on me mm. right and is is just a kind of um that that sort of like honesty that that sort of vulnerability and and as i said i think it's it's possible it's possible to do it in a way that um in a way that's respectful to everybody who's who's sort of involved in in the interaction yeah and i mean you know maybe there's a certain element of you know, just part of the social communication is just that we're, we can become better at communicating with each other and being open and honest and authentic without being victims to our life either. Uh, you know, I think that I try to look at everybody as they have the potential to champion incredible things like everybody does. And when somebody is in the victim place, uh, in there, in that victim mindset, which I've been in my, my own world, you know, it's none of us are excluded. None of us, all of our hands are dirty on that one. You know, we've all been a little bit of victim somewhere. Right. Um, and that's, you know, and I think I can have a lot of empathy and compassion for when you feel like you're there. I do think at the end of the day, that the, the goal here is, you know, we got to rise above the bullshit in this world. You know, we got to rise above our shit. We got to rise above all of this stuff. And um, I think that their fear, their like fear and love are always kind of contending for the top spot. And I think if you have the choice between fear and love, if it is truly that simple, which I do think it really is ultimately at the, at the end of the day, I do think that you got to try to choose love and not fear. You got to try to choose the love. And I know it's not going to be easy sometimes. It's going to be super difficult to do that. But I do think that if you can choose the love, the love is like, um, the love is the champion. It's not the victim, you know, because if I had the choice between being a champion or being a victim, I would choose champion every single time. And sometimes I just don't have it. I don't have the character. I don't have the discipline. I don't have the stuff to not to be the champion I want to be. But if I, if I could, if I could have the discipline, if I could just do it, if I could show up for myself the way that I 
want to, the way I dream of, I would always choose to do it if I could. And sometimes you're just not going to be able to, and that's going to be you falling to your victim, right? That's going to be you falling to the fear, you know, the, 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 um, whatever that is, you know, however you want to look at that. And it's, it's a very big embodying thing. So is the love, but you know, it, it, love is not always like, um, kisses and hugs and comfort. Sometimes love is get your fucking act together, man, get up, go for it. Just get out of the house, go for a walk, go for a run, lift some weights, drink some water. Don't eat that fucking piece of cake. Don't do it. You know what I mean? That's what love is sometimes. And so, you know, that's not always going to be easy. And I think if we have trauma, you know, that voice that's telling us, Hey, don't eat the cake. Don't, you know, don't, don't whatever do the thing or do the thing. We can take that as like, it's an attack on me. I'm being attacked. And it's like, no, you got to start to like decipher, like, is this love or is this like the fear, right? Am I scared that I'm, you know, cause if you know, it's good for you and it's not hard to see, it's really not that hard to see if you know, it's good for you. The loving choice is to do what is good for you and do what's good for others. That is love. At the end of the day, there's, you boil it down to its bottom little bit. It is, you've got to make the choice that's good. Whatever that means, you know, do the, do the right thing. And, and it, it sounds so simple to say, but it's not always so easy to do. Right. And I think that, um, you know, when you're letting fear run your life unconsciously, it's very hard to do the good thing. It's very hard to do the right thing because you're working from desperation. You're working from trauma. And, and then, you know, it's just, you don't, you don't even know, like, you don't even know a lot of the time, like that you're even doing anything that could be bad. You're just trying to feel good. You're just trying to feel safe. You're just trying to feel okay. And that, and that's a good way to identify the victim, I think is the victim's always scared that they're in danger. The victim is always scared they're going to get hurt. The victim's always scared they're going to get abused or something bad's going to happen to them. So whenever you see something like that come up, go, okay, how is the victim mentality running my life right now? Because I'm scared I'm going to get hurt. I'm scared this bad thing's going to happen. I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm being attacked. Whenever that stuff comes up, know that the victim is probably dominating, which is the fear. The victim is the fear, right? The champion, the love, is like, yeah, you're attacking me, but I don't have to take that. I don't have to accept it. I can be stronger than it. Um, you know, whatever that is, right? And and this this is your character, right? This is your true your truest self. It's the parent you needed to have. It's the big brother, the big sister you needed to have. It's all of that stuff, right? And so you you know, man, like. I'm not saying that you're going to be 100% because I'm not, and I'm aware of this and I'm not, you know, and I'm working on that all the time. But I think what I'm starting to realize, like, and this conversation has been helpful this way, is just seeing where the victim gets its claws in me, where I'm unconscious of it. Because I'm pretty good when I'm conscious of it for the most part, I'm pretty good. But like when I'm unconscious of it, man, like, it, it just has me and there's nothing I can do because I don't even know what's happening. So like, you know, and I, and, and we started this conversation out, I'll just kind of tie it back to that for a second, because this will help me kind of finish off what we're talking about. When I started off this conversation, I was saying, what's working on me? Well, what's working on me is as I go deeper, I'm beginning to see the victim that's been at play deeper. And I'm, I'm, I'm confronting that victim, the victim that's been traumatized, the victim that's hurting deep down that I'm unaware of. And I keep confronting that 
that part of me and I keep uprooting it. And then I'm like, well, now what? Now that you're not a victim, now that you're not scared, now what do you want to do? And it's like, I don't know. <laughs> I've been running from victim. Like I've been running from the victim mentality deep down all this time and I didn't even know it. And uh, and now I'm beginning to see it. And it's like humbling. It's very humbling, but it's also very freeing. And I think that's exciting, but it's scary in and of itself. You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden you're like, wait, I'm scared of... I'm scared of freedom. What? Okay, hold on a second. <laughs> hold on a second. Let's, you know. And so anyway, I would say go to the champion, try to choose the champion, try to choose the love, do the loving thing for you, do the loving thing for everybody else. As hard as that is, keep trying to, to, to use that as your Geiger counter. Keep trying to use that to redirect, you know, what's the love? Where's the love? Where's the love? You know, as opposed yeah. to what you've probably been doing and anything that's hurting you, if you look at it, it was probably where's the fear. It's really that simple. If if something hurt you, look at how you were looking for the fear or the victim. They're 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 the same. They're one of the same, because that caused you to do the the thing that's not so good for you, right? If you can if you and if you can keep changing the behavior to the champion to the love you get good results. I mean, you just get better results and those can build, right? The victim will just lead you down a downward spiral, you know? And I went down that spiral very far, Evan. I went down that spiral to the, the you know, the, the valley of death, basically. Like I went down, down, down into the deep pit. And I just said, okay, there's this, this only gets worse and I don't want it to get worse and I don't want to stay here either. So I started trying to, climb out of this pit i i dug myself into and it was a wonderfully difficult experience <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm alive to talk about it so that's that's good you know? yeah well let's um let's talk about our drinks here let's talk about our drinks yeah did you have a drink today i do oh right on i do have one i got um, one too. I'm uh, I'm drinking. This is an interesting one. I, I wish I had the list of of all this, but this is called the Explorer BC Peach Farmhouse Ale, and this beer is actually a um, a collaboration between six different breweries in BC. Oh, yeah, but it doesn't list them on on the can here. I think it did on the box. But unfortunately, I can't say who who all the people are <laughs> involved in this one. But it's it's good. It's tasty. It's it's a nice light um, wheat kind of wheat beer. The it's not a super strong peach taste in it. It's just like a very very subtle like flavor lingering in there, and it's uh it's it's delicious. So mm, nice. Well, I'm having a wheat ale myself. I'm having the bourbon blood orange wheat ale. Oh yeah. Bridge Brewing Company. I'm pretty sure I had this one before, like a long time ago. Yeah. And um, yeah, no, it's solid. It's a good beer. I like it. I think I liked it before because I like it again. Um, as far as I know. Um, I could not see myself not liking this. Put it that way. Yeah. So it's an enjoyable beer. I always like a good weed ale and anything like kind of orangey or peach flavored is usually a big win for me. Yeah. Um, man, though, I got to tell you, like when I went to go pick a beer the other day, 
there are so many craft brews available right now. Like, Oh man. Like, I'm just like, wow, we got a lot to get through. And I was just like, I, honestly, like right now, I don't have time to like look through all this. <laughs> I'm just going to pick one that I feel like I can be confident will be all right. And that's yeah, what yeah. I went with today. So yeah. Yeah. I, re- I remember a, dis- a discussion we had about, about the, that bourbon blood orange from, from bridge brewing is it's like, it's this beer that you can pretty much drink any time of the year and it's perfect. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, like I'd say it's, that's true. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. 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 Summer, winter, totally. It's, it's, it's got the right middle ground balance of, you know, dark and light and yeah. Yeah. Refreshing. Um, all right. Well, uh, yeah, I don't know. Do you want to wrap it up first or shall I? Um, yeah, sure. I'll go, I'll, I'll go ahead and see what, <laughs> see what comes through i i I don't even know what we're gonna call this one i don't Um, know either i don't know yeah (laughs) but you know this has been a this has been a a fun and interesting just you know exploration pulling on threads and 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 seeing what's there and and sometimes you know i don't know maybe there isn't always something that that connects all of it but um you know it's this whole conversation started out of this idea of like, well, what's like, what's working on you, you know, like, or what's, what's the thing that's working on, on me right now. And, uh, you know, it, it shouldn't be so surprising that fear became a big part of this, of this conversation. Um, when we think of the things that are working on us a lot of the time, um, is, you know, are, are these fears? I think that, you know, the biggest, you know, the biggest battles we face are, are always these internal ones. And those internal ones are, are typically something with fear. You know, you could also say it's like, there's definitely guilt and shame that we have battles with as well. Um, but you know, fears, fears, one of the, one of the top contenders in there. And I think that, you know, through, through fear in this weird, kind of way if we can learn to respond to observe our fear with honesty um and you know maybe with a with a degree of of just um curiosity around it like if we can just try and take the 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 attitude of like a you know like a of an of an archeologist of, of our own inner landscape kind of a thing. Right. And, and approach it with curiosity. Um, I think that underneath the fear we can, we can actually discover this, this more whole human being that's trying to get through. You know, I think that that's, you know, in terms of, of that juxtaposition when you think about it. It's like, well, how are we even aware of fear? This layer of fear that that most of us live with. We're only aware of it because underlying that fear is the presence of this other thing, is the presence of this joy, of this love, of this passion, of this, um, you know, of this peaceful human being that that 
is sort of this underlying thing and and that's in a way the thing that like that's this underlying thing that makes us aware of this this fear that we live with and i think that knowing that you know coming to that love thing that you're talking about it's like is knowing that that's the underlying thing right and that fear mm. that fear is just something that that this thing is 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 pushing through and is i think wanting us to to look at to heal um so that we can we can claim this this birthright of self mm. nice it's some powerful stuff there this well, i try <laughs> yeah well, well this this whole person like this this whole version of us coming through i i like that and uh yeah, man. I, I yeah. I think you know. As I I've been, I don't know. It's a strange. It's a strange period of the journey in my life. You know, I I, I don't really even. I don't like. I don't. It's it's weird because you know, like we record these podcasts, and sometimes you know, I can look back on them and go, oh yeah, that's where I was. That's what I was thinking about. You know, that's that's what I was doing then. And I'm like, wow, like I'm in this new territory now, like. <laughs> what's this, you know? And, um, that's scary. It is, it actually is quite scary. And, uh, um, something that has become very evident to me over the last several months, is just like how much fear actually exists in covering up this whole true love version of what I am. And navigating through that is, is, um, a little bit, I almost say bizarre at times is like, what? is going on, you know, like, um, but I, I do think at the end of the day, like, you know, you have this, the saying you said to me once, like, we're all just walking each other home. <laughs> I just feel like that's just so true. You know, it's just like, man, you just, you, you just started from love and, and that's the whole point is just get back to that. You know, it's just get back to that pure, true place that you started from. And I think that's what life is though. I think life is, it's designed in its own fantastic way to take you away from it. So you can find your way back to it, to appreciate it. Because if you never lost sight of it, if you never lost a handle on it, you wouldn't understand why it's so fucking amazing to actually get in touch with it. Mm. And so like, that's why it's so kind of bizarre. I say to me, because it's like, wow, like, I think that's the, 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 the thing that has come to light for me is like, look how far you got yourself away from the truth of you. And then it's like, well, what is the truth? I'm so caught up in this thing. I'm so far away with, and it's like, that's okay. Just keep working your way back home. Just keep going that way. You know, the way. And, 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 and that's like the parent I needed, you know, was the one that's like, you're doing all right, man. You're doing okay. You know, like, yeah, I know you're struggling. It's all right. Just keep walking that path back home. Come home. We love you. You know, like, like that's, that's the parent you want. Mm -hmm. Keep coming home. We love you, you know? And it's like, I think that's, uh, I don't know why it makes me so emotional, but I feel like this is the struggle of humanity. We're just, we just get so far away from it all. And we forget that we're love. Like we're loved, we're loved, like everything that you are is just like, and, and the thing that we, 
you know, the thing that we don't like about each other, the thing that we hurt each other with is this thing where we get in our ego, we get far away from the truth of us. That's what causes damage for us and for others, right? And and we don't like the person when they're so far away from home, they're hurting everybody. We don't like that, right? But because we don't like it in ourselves, it's a projection, you know? And so I'm, I'm, I think I'm just realizing as we go through this conversation, it's like, yeah, man, like, this is confusing. Like, I'm talking to myself. Yeah, this is confusing. Yeah, you don't know exactly where you are. You don't know exactly what you want. You, you know, you're figuring some things out. But like, are you walking towards that love? Are you walking towards that good place in your heart? There's nothing better you could do. So do that and just do that every day. And let's see how close you can get back to home. And maybe one day you'll arrive, you know, and then what? And then you'll arrive and then what? Who knows? You know, that could be pretty cool. Thank you for listening in on our conversation today. We hope you found something helpful that you can carry forward with you. Head over to our website, wayoftheartist.com, for more free exclusive material and learn about the show. If you haven't already, please support us by subscribing to the show, sharing it with people you know, and keeping compassionate, creative conversation going.